Author John Hopper recognizes that you probably have questions about God, and he says they're probably good questions as well. Well, he puts all the answers on the table in his book called Questioning God to help you decide for yourself whether there's credibility to God, the Bible, and Christianity. Stick around for a great conversation with John Hopper today here on Babby's House. Babby's House is coming to you right now. Every day is filled with possibility at Babby's house. Babby's house. Everybody is family. Welcome to Babby's house. Hello, everyone and welcome to Babby's House. Thanks for joining me today here on the show. I'm the host of the show, Babby Mason, and thanks for joining me. Well, I am blessed and honored today to have as my very special guest, John Hopper, and he is the author of Questioning God. And most of us, even those of us who consider ourselves strong believers, often have questions about God, the who, what, when, where, how, and why of the Bible, the lots of questions about um, Christianity. And in his book, he says here, I'll just kind of read the back cover for you. He says that he puts um, questions about God, Christianity, the Bible on the table to help you decide for yourself the credibility on these subjects. So let me welcome to Babby's house, John Hopper, my friend. Welcome to the show today. Uh, oh, it's great to be here with you today, Babby. Yeah, great to have you, my friend. And, you know, this is what I love about doing this show is I love to talk with people who help us um, know more about the Bible so that we can defend mm -hmm. our faith. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been a Christian mostly all of my life, and this is becoming more and more important as we are living in the, uh, this day and age of technology with so many questions and so much mm -hmm. information that's bombarding us on every side. We need to know how to defend our faith, and we need to know these questions so that we can walk um, with confidence in our faith in Christ during these days. So talk to me about the book and how it was inspired. Yeah, so I, I work with a ministry called Search Ministries, and Search uh, is involved with people who really don't know Jesus yet, who uh, don't understand the Bible. They're trying to figure things out. Maybe they're even disinterested at this point. And so we encounter all of the questions that you find in the book. So uh, the questions in the book about is the Bible reliable and how can we believe there's God and isn't, you know, why is it rational to believe in God in a scientific age or what about pain and suffering? Those are questions that we hear day in and day out at Search Ministries. And so we just felt it was time to to write a book and, and give out some of the answers to the questions that uh, we hear uh, again sort of every day. Well, talk to me personally about, uh, before we jump into a lot of these questions, talk to me about your own personal experience. Is this something that is personal to you? Is there a, a story behind why this subject is so important to you? Hmm. Well, I think it's important to me because I, f I find that there are people that are stuck because of these questions. In other words, there's even maybe even an interest to believe, uh, but it, not an interest if they can't get a certain question answered. And, and I think in many cases, people have sort of felt like, well, there just really isn't an answer or, um, 
you know, maybe we'll just find out at some later time, but we can't really know now, when really there's a lot better answers to these questions, I think, than people are aware of. And I found over and over again that when I share a reasonable answer to a reasonable question, it encourages people's faith. Um, even if they didn't really have any faith before, they begin to sort of lean in. And so, uh, again, I've seen that over and over again. And so, uh, it's, you know, it's sort of my pleasure and joy to be able to give reasonable answers to people's questions. Yes. Well, let's just establish right now that every question that you have about God is valid, right? <laughs> every question that we have about our faith or about mm. the Bible is valid. And if you have a question, you know, the, Bible, uh, the Lord says in, in Jeremiah 33, 3, I call it God's phone number, J-E-R-E-3-3-3. Mm. He says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great mm. and mighty things that you do mm. not know. So just to, and to encourage our viewing audience that if you have questions about God, ask them. Um, nothing, right. is, nothing is too big or too hard mm -hmm. for you to find mm -hmm. answers and to find answers from people like you, John, who have written a great book called Questioning God. So let's, let's start with some of those difficult questions. And you just mentioned one in your introductory comments. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a big one that I think I've even asked myself in mm -hmm. my, and I'm a preacher's kid, you know, walked with Jesus mostly all of my life. Um, but if, you know, if, if God is, is good and God is sovereign, then why do bad things happen to good people? Why do yeah. bad things happen in the world? Mm. Why do we have things mm. like the coronavirus, which takes out mm. so many mm. people, even innocent children? Talk to us about, you know, those kind of hard questions that we ask sometimes. Yeah, I, I think something would be wrong if we went through life and never asked that question, right? So, um, because the reality is there is a lot of pain and suffering in, in the world. So, so we have to figure out, like, well, can that be reconciled with a good and all-powerful God? And I think there's a lot of people that say that it, it can't be, that it's sort of almost illogical for there to be an all-loving, all-powerful God and for there to be evil and suffering in the world. But I'm not so sure that's the case. One of the examples I give in the book has to do with a parent taking their child in perhaps to get a, an early childhood vaccine, maybe for polio or something like that. And if you think about that situation, the parent is powerful enough to stop that appointment from occurring. <laughs> and they're loving enough that they really don't want that child to have pain there, right? So, and yet they still are willing to see the child go through that pain mm -hmm. because, because of greater overriding reasons. And so I think if it's possible for us at times, even though we might have the power and might have the love to sort of stop sort of pain and suffering, and yet we still allow it anyway because of some overriding reasons, that maybe that's the case for God as well, that there's times where he allows the pain and suffering, even though he does love us and even though he is powerful, enough to stop it because of these overriding reasons. Amen. That's a good answer. Mm. Um, let's talk about um, beginning at the beginning. Um, of course, we've, I've read, you know, the book of Genesis, the, the story of the earth, uh, read mm. the first chapter of the book mm. of John, the, the story of, you mm. know, the coming of Christ. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, the Bible is so deep and, and so, um, you know, over our heads that sometimes mm. it's hard to grasp. Mm. And you propose one of these questions in your book. Mm. Why should I, why should I believe that God exists anyway? Of course, I've mm -hmm. come to, I think, a personal answer in my own life, but I'm mm -hmm. sure there may be people who are watching today who ask that question. Why should I even believe God exists in the first place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good question. And I, and I think that, I mean, the, 
the Bible can point in that way, but I don't even think that we need the Bible to believe that God exists. Um, so if you were to go into a room, for example, and the room was just perfectly appointed, everything was beautiful, even like the background that you have behind you, there's the things are in their place, right? They're color coordinated. Uh, you would never think that that just happened by chance. You would think that there was somebody with a some creative person Mm-hmm. an agent of change who sort of put those things in a de- place. A designer, right? so, a designer. A we designer, call a designer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when we look at the universe and we begin to understand how remarkably fine-tuned it is, how, for example, gravity has to be just the force that it is, any greater or any lesser, life wouldn't exist anywhere in the universe. If we begin to see how, how remarkably fine-tuned the universe is, we, we have to say, this couldn't have just happened by, by chance. There had to have been a designer there. Again, you don't need the Bible to recognize that. You just have to look at what the designer sort of left behind to, to know that there, there had to be a designer there. I, I love that answer because, um, you know, to use your example, uh, we had a, a planning meeting. There, there was a plan behind our color scheme. There was a, <laughs> there was a style and uh, a lot of... Uh, conversation about what we wanted the set to look like. So there was not only a design, but there was a plan behind the design. Mm, That's that's right. Yes, and that just lets us know that God has a plan for us, Mm. a Mm. purpose and a plan for us to give us a future and a hope. Mm. Um, I love your questions. They're just printed right here in the table of of contents. So um, let me just ask another one of the questions from from your book here. How do we even know that the Bible is credible? Well, I, th- I think in some ways, Babby, there's, there's really kind of three questions involved. So the first question is, is it authentic? Is like what we have today equal to what was originally written? Because if it's been changed through all the ages, right, then, then we would have reason to not believe in it. So, so we need to know whether it's authentic or not. And really the way that, that scholars look at sort of ancient literature to know whether, hey, do we have what represents the original? Is they're looking for a lot of copies of of that writing that date way back towards when it was originally written. And then they compare those different documents. And the Bible, in particular the New Testament, has we have so many ancient copies of it, far more than exists for other pieces of ancient literature. And so we have just a, an abundance of, of evidence that shows that it's been copied really well. So I think we can say it's authentic, right? So, But then the question is, well, even if it's been copied well, was it accurate in the first place? I mean, maybe it was all lies to begin with and the lies have just gotten copied, right? So, so we have to ask, well, is the Bible really accurate? And, and what's really great, Babby, is that the Bible isn't just about principles. It's about God showing up in history. It's about events. It's about people and it's about places. It's about things that happen. And so we can fact check those things. And the Bible does remarkably well when you begin to look at other ancient histories which also speak of the same people or the same events or the same places. Well, and John, so we I'll tell say, you what, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to jump right back in where we left off when we come back after this break. So stick around with me. We'll be right back after more with more of Babby's House right after this. Well, welcome back to Babby's House. I'm so glad you came back. I'm in the middle of a great conversation with John Hopper, the author of Questioning God, Questions to Answers Worth Asking. And probably mostly all of us 
who are watching the show and even hosting the show, me included, have asked questions somewhere along your faith walk. You know, is the Bible credible? Um, why should I even believe in God? Um, why do bad things happen to good people? And John uh, addresses those questions, and we've been addressing some of those questions here on the show. And so, John, before the break, we were talking about the authenticity of the Bible. So why should we even, be, be, even begin to believe that the Bible is credible? And then, on top of that, why should we even follow those principles? Um, and why is it important to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So, so yeah, so just before the break, we were talking about how the Bible is authentic. It's been copied really well, and we have good evidence for that. And then we have some good evidence that it's accurate as well, that it's talking about real places, real events. For example, many people, Babby, they don't recognize that in the first hundred years after Jesus, there were seven people outside of the Bible who were against Christianity that all wrote about Jesus. And what they write about Jesus actually corroborates what's in the Bible. So it's not just the Bible that speaks about Jesus. It's historians outside of the Bible that speak about Jesus as well. And so that lets us know that, hey, this, this stuff really happened. These are real events. And then, you know, if, why should we trust what the Bible has to say in our own lives? Well, if the Bible is historically accurate, then we're talking about a man, particularly Jesus, who did miraculous things, right? And who... Uh, who fulfilled amazing prophecy. And if you were, you know, if there was a man on the street and he was telling you to do this or do that, and he started to do miracles, and he started to fulfill remarkable prophecy, you might start listening to what he had to say, right? So, and, and I think that's kind of the reasoning behind why we should trust what the Bible has to say is because it's talking about God showing up in history uh -huh. and, uh, and, uh, and, showing himself to be who he is and so that he's trustworthy and worthy of our, our following. Yes. The Bible is uh, the history book of all history books, mm -hmm. and it's completely accurate. You're absolutely right. Um, and I love your, your, your answers, by the way. They are, um, it's not so deep that you can't get over it and not so shallow <laughs> that you can't get under it. It's good, it's good stuff. Um, so let's address another question that, that we're proposing here and that you address in your book. Why is being a good person not enough, not just not enough when it comes to eternal life? Why is it, you know, if I, I hear a lot of people say, hey, well, I'm good. I'm a good person. Why is mm. that not enough to get me into heaven? Yeah. Well, you know, if it was a sort of a good works model, um, the big question is, well, how good do you have to be, right? Wow. <laughs> is it a, do you have to get 90% or is it 70%? Is it 51%, right? So, and and who's keeping track, right? Like, are you really sure you're good enough? <laughs> so um, uh, do you get uh, extra points if you do something really good? Or do you get really a lot of points taken away if you do something really bad? I mean, how exactly does that work? And what if you get to heaven's gate and God says you're one point short? Like, I mean, that would be awful, right? So, And, and how do you know that before you get there, right? <laughs> how do you know you get before you get there, right? So it's sort of like a teacher telling you, you know, well, I'm not going to tell you what you really got to do to earn a good grade in this class. You'll just have to find out in the end. Like, you wouldn't like that teacher at all. So I wouldn't um, want to so take I'm, that class. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that we really want it to be a good works model. So... Um, and, and, and honestly, Babby, I'm not so sure that any of us are really all that good. Um, oftentimes when I'm with somebody and we're talking about this topic, I, if I'm, say, in a restaurant with them, I said, what would you do if all of a sudden all your thoughts and deeds and misdeeds of, of just even the last month 
started showing up on all the walls in this restaurant for everyone to see. Mm. And when I share that as an example, every person I've shared it with, Babby, has said, I would run out of this restaurant. Well, if that's the case, then I'm not so sure any of us is all that good. We would be ashamed even before other people. So what makes us think that we would be good before God, right? So with the stuff on the walls of our lives. And so, uh, but the good news really, though, is of the scripture is that uh, it's not our goodness that gets us in because we do all fall short. It's the goodness of Christ and what he's done on our behalf through his death and his resurrection that allow us to be in relationship with God. And one of the ways that I look at it, Babby, it's like if we were at California and we were trying to swim to Hawaii to paradise, you know, some of us might be a little better swimmers than others, right? We, some might get a hundred feet, some might go a mile, some might be able to go 10 miles. Nobody's making it to Hawaii. No one's, <laughs> <laughs> right. no one's a good, good enough swimmer. And so we really need Jesus to come alongside in the boat and to put out his hand and say, come on board, I'll get you, I'll get you there. So. Amen. Hallelujah for that. Mm. Amen. Romans 3.23, I think it says that we all fall short mm. of the mm-hmm. glory of God. That's why we need Jesus. He qualifies. And the good thing is he qualified all of us. Amen. That's right. That's Amen. right. Well, this question, I've heard this question come up uh, a lot of times in, in uh, conversations is, will God judge people who have never had the chance to hear about him? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's an, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and one of the things that question does is it assumes that there are people that haven't heard about God, right? And I'm not so sure that's really the case. Again, sort of God has sort of left his notes all over the place. So mm. his note of creation, right? So uh, it's there for us all to see. So um, I think he's also given us the note of our own conscience, right? So so we all recognize things to be right and things to be wrong. And so he's left those notes. And if we follow those notes, we realize, hey, there has to be a creator here. And I I, I obviously, I can't even live up to my own standards. So I doubt I live up to his. It ought to have a seeking mercy. And if we do that, what we see both in scripture and we even see in the world today is that God manages to get the information to people about Jesus whether it's through dreams and visions, which we hear about in the Middle East right now, many, something like 30, 40% of the conversions from Islam to Christianity are because people have visceral dreams of Jesus. So, uh-huh. or we hear, or we hear of, of, of people hearing radio broadcasts in Asia or whether it or be in sub-Saharan Africa, God sort of getting his word in these places. So, so I'm not so sure it's really true that there are people who haven't heard or couldn't hear here if they were willing to follow the notes <laughs> that God God has left. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. What should you, what should we say to that person who says, you know, we're, we want to witness to a person who doesn't know the Lord, and mm. that person's response is, "Hey, I'm good. Mm. I'm good without yeah. God." What do we say yeah. to that person? Yeah. Well, I I think that. People don't recognize that there's a lot of things in their life that they really enjoy that take God in order for those things to be there. Um, For example, most people want purpose and meaning in their lives, right? Everybody wants purpose and meaning. But if there's no God, if we're just happen chance sort of creatures of the universe, we just got what spit out. It was just what the dice rolled out of of the universe. We don't have really any meaning or purpose. Like if, if you're just to throw dice 
and sort of roll them out on the table. And I were to say, what's the meaning and purpose of those, you know, those numbers on the on the dice? You'd say, what's meaning and purpose? There's no meaning and purpose. It's just chance. It's just what happened, right? So, for us to have meaning and purpose, there had to be sort of an intention behind our even being here, right? So. So people want meaning and purpose, but the only way we can have meaning and purpose is if there's a God. Um, the same with love, for example. So if there is no God, if we're just here by chance, then all we're having when we look at somebody like a little baby is we're just having a biochemical reaction. That's it. Um, we're, there's, they're not really lovable. They haven't been created to be lovable. Um, we're just having some fizz go on inside of us when we happen to see that child. Now. Most people want to think of love as greater than that, right? So, so there are these things that people really enjoy. They enjoy love. They enjoy purpose. They enjoy uh, the trustworthiness of their own reasoning, those kinds of things. But those things are really only sustained if there's a God behind. Yes. Uh, not yes. Under the hood, I say. Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus, he, he puts life into context hmm. and he puts all the pieces in the right place mm. and makes life make sense. And then when, when life begins to make sense, that's when we find joy and pleasure out of life and mm. purpose. That's, so that's tell right. us how we can find more information about the book and contact you should our viewers want to uh, contact you. Sure. So there's the questioninggod.com website and you can go there and you can get the book. There's actually also a podcast that goes along with every chapter of the book. So if you want to listen to a sort of a short summary of the book. You can hear me talking there on, on the website. And then there's also a place there where people can send in questions as well uh, and, and get, a, get a response. So questioninggod.com. Well, the book uh, addresses a lot of the questions that we talk about today and many more that we didn't address today on the show. But this is a wonderful conversation. And thank you for being my very special guest today, John. Well, it's been really great to be with you, Abby. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you, dear viewer, for watching yeah. today. And I hope that Today's show is just uh, giving you some confidence to let you know that the Bible, uh, the Christianity, and the questions that you have are all valid. Well, thank you so very much for watching the show today. And do me a favor, visit my official website at babby.com, and there you'll find additional resources to uh, encourage you in your faith with the Lord. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. You'll see my music and my books and Bible studies for women, as well as a Listen Live button to Babby Mason Radio, where you can hear beautiful music and encouraging words around the clock, 24-7, 365. Well, here on Babby's House, this is what we do. We encourage you to walk with the Lord. We encourage you to uh, dig deep into God's Word, to walk with the Lord, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So thank you so very, very much for watching. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with more of Babby's House right after this. Well, I hope and pray that you've enjoyed today's show. And uh, I just want to encourage you uh, in these last few moments that we have here on the show to walk with the Lord and to let your light, as I said a moment ago, to let your light shine 
before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, I was privileged to grow up as a preacher's daughter in Michigan and learn very early in life the importance of sharing my faith. And now God has given me this wonderful opportunity to uh, be on stage and to to sing and to write and to teach and to train and to mentor singers and songwriters, authors and speakers to share their faith. And so uh, this is what uh, happens here on Babby's House. And I'm so glad that you have tuned in today, my friend. And, and I hope this won't be the last time that you'll watch, but you'll stick around for more episodes of Babby's House. Well, listen, let me just bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is our prayer. And until the next time we get together, I'm Babby Mason, and this is Babby's house. Until the next time, God bless you and yours real good. Bye-bye for now.